Hey everybody, Mark here. Just wanted to drop in real quick, give you a quick note on this episode. I know everyone's looking forward to it. Uh, Donnie Vincent, huge episode. Big uh, big thank you to him and his crew for setting this up and, and making it happen. But of course, uh, being that we were looking so forward to it, we uh, obviously ran into some technical difficulties because of course we would. So how this episode goes is we had to stop recording and start over. When we started over, no problems. So I put that part of the episode first. So what you're going to hear, we've, we've already talked for about 10, 15 minutes. It didn't work out so well. I cut it. We started. So that's where you're going to pick up from. At the end of the episode, just like any other Sons of the Hunt episode, it's going to end. And then if you hang in there, there's the beginning of when we started. And that was, it's the audio just isn't great. But if you want to listen to that and power through it, it's there at the end. So without further ado, Sons of the Hunt, Season 3, Episode 11, Donnie Vincent. Let's hear it. Now, test. It's test, it's test, perfect test. right now. now. Now the boys have rolled out. So if we hit, uh, <laughs> they, oh, they're 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 here for a minute. They're here for a minute. Okay, it sounds fine. It sounds perfect right now. Okay. I Golden guess. Man. I guess we have to reshare this now. So let's let's see if that works. We'll, okay. We'll keep it going. The connection strength is probably the best we've ever had with a guest yeah. on here and kyle just tested our internet here and he said it's, it's yeah super super good yeah he just texted me 85 so that's that's really high sounds um, like a pretty decent number i think so sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's we'll try sharing this out if, if anyone wants to uh share this all over the place yeah help us out here we're, we're yeah we, we'd be truly appreciated man so let's get after it the uh out, everybody all the sons of the hunt nation man all the community get after it. good here good sounds good and yeah it sounds yeah great. we still have a good connection fixed cool. uh, we're getting some comments now everyone says it's fixed great sweet great let's uh People could drop their comments, questions for Donnie. This is going to be an interesting audio once yeah, I put right. this together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can kind of clip it around a little bit. The the magic of editing. Well, we really didn't get started at all, so no. right? yeah. I mean, you're not gonna. No. <clears throat> and I yeah. I could I could take another another stab at being a little bit more articulate this time around, you know. <laughs> stumbling over my words it's always, it was it's always that it's always that way yeah always, it was a mess yeah i'm just trying to share it out to a couple of groups now and we'll do this in person when uh well i'm i'm still traveling with covid but uh you know a lot of people are hanging tight but i'm i'm uh 
I'm willing and ready to face the beast. You're, uh, yeah, buddy, I'm with you. You're, you're probably, uh, social distancing with the best of them. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're not yeah. around people, so. But I'm also a man that probably lives with parasites, more parasites than most people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't boiled water in about 20 years. There you now, go. That's, that, that's a good. See, you're prepared for the apocalypse, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, oh, you know what? Hmm. So now we're not live on YouTube. Maybe that was... Maybe oh, that, that's what was screwing us up, man. Maybe that was their issue. I don't know. But we're on Facebook, so we're going to roll with what looks good, sounds good. Um, Agreed. Okay. And you sure. said that's new technology anyway, right? The, the fact that they could be linked up? Yeah, you know, I got an, I got an email from BeLive today that was like, uh, we, we upgraded our software. You could stream uh, full HD now and uh, stream to YouTube simultaneously. And I was like, this is fate. This is perfect. Like, this is going to be one of our biggest podcasts yet. And I was like, we have so many more opportunities now, but no. It's just going to be the way it is. And I'm okay with that. So I shared a couple more. We're we're back up to like 40-some live viewers. I think that uh, some people, you could share it out if you want. We're back with Donnie. We've got uh, the audio's rolling, so I'll cut off all that other audio and we'll just start over. Sounds like a plan. All yeah, right. I think good. <laughs> all right. So at the, at this point, I think people we uh we know who you are. We 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 dove into that a little bit, but I do want to go back to I, I guess what placement. Yeah, we could start there with the the product placement, like you said, with Benelli kind of uh, gave you uh, free reign, like just go with it. And uh, that's, I mean, right off the bat, that makes me want to go look into Benelli because it it just sounds like a great company, open-minded company. But with product placement now and social media, I kind of feel like that's, it's distorting the message that we should be sending. And I, I, we, we talked about a little bit, but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I think it's really tough to draw a line in the sand. And you guys just interrupt me if my audio starts to um, degrade. But so far, so good. Yeah, we're good. Um, it's tough to draw a line in the sand because if you if you approach somebody and you say, "Hey, um, you know," as as people sometimes confuse what I do and what others do for hunting for a living. So if people say, Hey, I, you know, I want to hunt for a living. I'm willing to use, uh, this trail camera, this bow, this, you know, arrow, all these different products, all these different companies in there. And they're willing to basically sell their soul, uh, to be able to, um, afford their avocation, their, their, um, their hobby. It's a slippery slope because, uh, it might work for a year or two, um, for them to bring, um, dollars in to, to fund this project. But, uh, but very quickly, the message will get watered down and very muddied because these companies will want them to do ABC and it's, it's going to start to affect their work. And so what I was saying to you guys earlier is you can film just about anything you want and make it really interesting. If you have something interesting to film, something interesting to say, something to, you know, uh, 
an experience that you want to share with people, if it's interesting and you're doing it um, and it's real, truly real, people are going to watch it. And, and the more some, some people equate um, the amount of sponsors they have and the amount of stickers that they put on their truck and the amount of things that they are laying next to their dead deer or whatever it is that people do with success. And, and um, yeah, and I just, I just went the other way. It just didn't, I didn't want to muddy. In fact, this is a little bit of a lie because when we first started out, we thought we had to track down sponsors to pay for what we were doing. Um, Cause ultimately we knew we wanted to sell our work, but everyone told us that no one would buy it. Everyone that we confided in, everyone that was in the industry, mm-hmm. Mark, as you said, you kind of hate saying the industry and I, I dislike it a great deal as well. Um, but people said, you know, no, 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 no one's going to buy your work. Here's how it works. You guys get a TV show, you sell your commercials, you sell it to Realtree, to Matthews, to, this food company to whatever they pay you X amount of dollars per commercial. You go film this cheese ball commercial and then you get to go on so many hunts a year. And and that's how the business model is done. And, and, um, I had no, no, no interest in it, none whatsoever. And, and, uh, to the point of where I, within our company, I, um, in talking to the guys just basically said, let's build a film if it sells great if it doesn't we go back to our other regular scheduled program lives if you will and so um yeah i think you know so you get what i'm saying right it's difficult to to hang people because they're like hey you know like you're wearing a sitka shirt right Mm -hmm. and uh you're wearing a hat that is something i'm not even sure what that is um (laughs) but that and and so what I found to be the most interesting was just working with gear and products, if you will, that I completely believed in uh, right. to the tune of turning away. Um, if I told you how much money we've walked away from, it'd probably freak you out. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's it's uh, Jay and I were kind of talking about this before. And, uh, we were like, well, you know, when we started this, what was our, our mission kind of, and it was, I, I narrowed it down to three things that we wanted to do, especially with when I started filming, I wanted to educate, recruit and entertain at the same time. And it was just those three things. And at this point with the podcast where it's the same goal, but I mean, I feel like if you hang on to it, like this, this podcast has no commercials. We, we you know, it's not sponsored by anything. And the longer you retain that, it's more valuable having creative control and not having to interrupt it with nonsense, you know, to pull away from the actual message. And uh, I kind of feel like that aligns with, with exactly what your films do. I mean, it's, it's, the message is more important than any dollars, pretty much. Yeah, even in the beginning when we would do work, um, it was kind of funny, but I would talk to a bow company or a camouflage company or a, a boot company, whatever it may be, and, and we'd have these meetings and they'd say, hey, you know, what can you do for us? And I'd say, nothing. No. I, you know, they'd say, well, how are you going to get us eyeballs and how are you going to get a sale? And I said, I have no idea. I'm not going to do anything. I'm literally not going to do anything. Yeah. I'll use the gear in the manner that I use it, I'll use like, I, I work with Hanvog boots and 
um, out of Germany and, and, uh, they're the best hiking boots I've ever worn in my life. They're handcrafted. They're unbelievable on your feet They're but I can say this, um, because I've been buying Hanvog boots for a very long time. I, Sigmanta now works with them to some capacity. We help them with photography and with film and with messaging and things like that, which is what companies need. But, you know, I've been, I've been purchasing these things with my own dollars for quite a while. And that's almost every relationship that I have is, has kind of stemmed from the same thing. And so you end up using things that you believe in, right? That's like, that's the best scenarios when you have a bow and arrow tree stand, whatever it is that you almost basically want to bleed for. And then that company calls you and says, Hey, we love what you're doing. We love your messaging. Um, we love how you carry yourself with, um, people that have questions about hunting. Uh, we'd love to work with you. Uh, that's, that's basically how we've established all of our relationships any yeah. any of them that have mattered anyway yeah yeah that's that's important because you you could speak so much more authentically about something that you actually believe in you know and uh i we've we've i think found the same i mean jay uses different gear than i use and uh you know we'll we'll say if something sucks, you know, like if, if, if something's not working, we're not afraid to say it because we're not really tied to anybody. So sure. It, uh, it does work out for the best. Um, I guess with, with that, um, I guess we could kind of talk about just because it's so tied in with social media now. And I feel like, you know, it's such a love hate relationship with social media. Like we grow because of social media. That's how, you know, at least for us, I mean, I don't know any other way. I mean, we're not advertising on TV. We're not like, mm-hmm. we're not putting our podcast advertisement in magazines or anything like that. It has to be social media. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, social media sound like the the main message that you're getting back from it just seems like the wrong message. Yeah. So, what are your your thoughts on using social media and the message that we're sending in general as as an outdoor community? And what could we be doing different, you think? Oh, man, you're asking me all these questions that are just like, I'll just, uh, uh, let me just tie up my noose here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, Put know, it on. And- one thing that I, I think is unique is, you know, when we started this, you know, it's it's obviously an outdoor podcast. You know what I mean? We we, we lean a lot on the, the hunting lifestyle and stuff like that. But, <clears throat> pardon me, what we wanted to do was kind of get past the hunting story and get more into the hunting lifestyle. Like what kind of music do you listen to when you're on your way to the woods? Like what's your favorite way to cook a venison steak? Like what's your, what's the, the, once the hunt's over, you know what I mean? What's it about for you? You know what I mean? And, and and I, I, I think that, you know, uh, the social media aspect of it as important as it is can definitely be in, in, in Achilles heel. So by kind of stepping outside of that box a little bit, I think it helps soften the blow of what social media can deliver. And, and it, it helps a lot of people who may not be diehard hunters, but they like wild game as, as a table fair. Um, they may not be diehard hunters, but they're big fans of craft beer, which is a big aspect of what we do. We do like little craft beer segments and we feature local brewers, that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, it, and it's the adventure, you know, there's a, a whole new, um, generation of people who are coming up into this into this lifestyle who are, are less about the commercial aspect and more about the 
field to table and they're more about the adventure aspect. And, you know, you know, a, a lot of people love to film themselves. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, Mark and I are the same way, but you know, if you get that really kick-ass Instagram picture post from on top of a mountain or something like that, who cares, man, you did it. You got up there, you did it. You got out of the house, you got away from you unplugged. And I, I think there's a, a lot of people that follow along with our community that are not your typical hunting crowd. You know what I mean? And I, I think having an, an, an opportunity to, to present somebody like yourself who has a really, I don't want to say a unique perspective, but a very, uh, a, a very honest perspective on this. I, I think it's, it's a great opportunity for people like that who, because I was telling Mark earlier, I said, I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of people who follow us that are listening that don't really know who Donnie is. And that's oh, not a bad sure. thing. That's not a bad thing because that just speaks to the, the you know, the diversity of, of the people that kind of enjoy what we do. So, you know, the stage is yours, man. I mean, I, I don't worry about offending anybody or segregating any aspect or, or you know, corner of, of the market. I mean, you know, Mark and I have offended a lot of people. <laughs> and, and you know what I mean? And we've heard it, man. We've caught some serious flack from a lot of people who are diehards. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the country is the same way. They're dug into their values. They're dug into their heritage. And, you know, you mess with that. And, you you know, it doesn't matter how right you are. It's, you're messing with what I know to be gospel. Sure. You know what For I mean? Sure. So I think, you know, it, we, we've run the risk of of segregating ourselves from a big part of the community just by speaking what we feel is is the truth and what needs to change and that sort of thing so you know by all means man knock them out have at it because yeah, i think I, I think you have a, a very very good perception of uh perspective rather of of where we should be so yeah and a lot of these you know these questions that you guys are asking are great and they're they're just rooted in hypocrisy right that's all i mean is that it's it's really difficult to hang anyone when you're doing the exact same thing but a lot of life is like that. A lot, a lot of that life lives in, in the in-between, but um, obviously I use Instagram. I've, I've never posted, uh, I've never done a single post um, in my life on Instagram or Facebook. I, I haven't been on Facebook in, I don't know, uh, six months, eight months, something like that. Uh, I'm sure Kyle's answered some people on there on my behalf, but um, how we've always used it, obviously, our business, it, it's kind of like a lot of people look at in a, a social media as a way to build their business. And that I can completely appreciate. Social media for us came after we built our business. Everything for us has come after the films. So we, I live the life, truly live the life. And I don't even get to live it as much as I want to because there's now a business to run. So, right. um, you know, there are people, there are guys that I know that are true mountain men. They're guys that just literally basically survive and live in the woods. Um, and, and, uh, and they're, they're unbelievable and they have very little to worry about besides the very important things to worry about. And, and it's, it's really remarkable, but for us, um, it was literally who we were, who I am, the things that I want to do and talk about and film. And I just wanted to share it with people. I just wanted to share what this big deer would look like to people and what geese migrating would look like and the how the grass is green in August and it turns tan brown in October and the birds that you see in, in August. And 
you see these little finches and the warblers using these little woodlots and listen to their songs. Uh, but come October, it's a completely different group of birds that are there, or rather some of them that have stayed. And then you have waterfowl migrating. Like these were experiences that I was just paying attention, all these little nitty gritties. And so we, we started filming and telling these stories because we thought we had something to say. We thought we had something to share with people. And then the social media comes and then we, you know, we go to North code and we film the rivers divide and, and, um, and then I, I'll never forget. We were sitting in the office one day and, and the guys were like, you, you need to be on Instagram. And I said, no, I don't know. We don't need to do that. And they're like, no, 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 we're, we're going to make you a page. And so literally they made me a page and, and then they would give me a photo and say, write something about this. And so I'd write what the photo meant to me or what I wanted to say or what I was experiencing or what the things that I'd seen, I'd give him the text and Kyle would post it. And then he'd say, Hey, it'd be great if you, um, would go on there and, and write to a couple of people and just engage with a couple of people. And I enjoyed doing that anyway, people, particularly people that had something soulful to say. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't need to hear like, yo, you're a badass or this or that, but if somebody has a real question, right. Yeah. So like, um, just a quick example. This last week, um, we posted a picture of me holding a dead Harlequin duck. Mm-hmm. And a young lady wrote to me out of Washington or something like that. And she said that her son had rescued a Harlequin duck and that she wasn't, she was having a difficult time connecting um, her son rescuing a Harlequin duck. Harlequin ducks being in Washington state not having a lot of breeding pairs and suffering for habitat to me holding a dead Harlequin duck. And so Mm -hmm. she, she just had some questions to that and we had a great conversation and her, her telling me a story of her son saving a Harlequin duck really brought back some memories to me because I'd saved uh, quite a bit of wildlife in my youth. I would find birds with broken wings. I'd find, I found snakes, uh, uh, snagged up in, in a fishing net and all these things. And there was a, there was a uh, wildlife rehabilitation center near my house in Connecticut called laughing brook. And I would bring all, I mean, the people there got to know me cause I would bring them, I would find turtles with a cracked shell or frogs with a broken leg. And I was just, I mean, I was shuffling these things in there. And, yeah. and so social media became, um, an extension of our films, an extension of our stories. It's, it's the trickle down effect. I, spending spending my life in the woods and really taking a look around and really appreciating all the little nuances of the things that i see in the wild uh, live at the top right and then and then the film trickles down from that and then the images trickle down from that and then the the instagram and facebook and all this stuff trickles down from that and and um if it goes away tomorrow thank god say la vie. Yeah. <laughs> uh the, and right. then the negative aspect of it and i don't want to drag anyone out but you know there's a whole host of people that make a lot of money off instagram by using their bodies mm-hmm. um and whether that be for fishing i know it's a very very popular thing right now is you know you see a lot of young ladies uh mm-hmm. who are have um very shapely figures uh, taking a lot of photos with fish and and um i get it it's uh it's the reason Sports Illustrated has had a swimsuit edition. It's the reason Hugh Hefner had a, a, a magazine, uh, in my opinion, tastefully done with nude women. And, um, you know, the, these these are things that are interesting to us as as human beings. These things are that are interesting to us as animals. We like we like to look at one another and we like to engage with one another. So I can't even distract from from um, 
what those young ladies are doing or any, what any guys are doing, like let's say bodybuilding guys or whatever, but mm -hmm. I'll guarantee you those people, uh, are far more interesting to talk to and engage with, uh, and have a lot more to offer than, than what appears in the photo. Right. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I was going to start taking pictures of fish holding like fish bra thing. And I'm glad you said that because it discouraged I think you me. Because, uh, yeah. So thank you, Donnie. <laughs> it might, it might be you. more harmful, harmful than good, you know, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a great take on it. I mean, because people get hung up, I think in what they think has to happen. Like this is how, this is the outline this is start, this is finish. You know what I mean? And, and, and everything in between is it, it just kind of people get hung up in that, I think. And, um, you know, as, as far as stepping outside of that box, um, you know, we, we haven't even gotten into, to, uh, you know, wins of ADAC yet. I mean, we, we touched on it earlier, but I mean, that's, that's something that I think more people would serve them well to, see something like that because it, it gives people almost justification to change the way they look at things because a lot of people think well if, if if i don't look at it the way it's supposed to be looked at well then you know i'm i'm not what i don't want to say it, the cool kids but you, you kind of separate yourself from the, the pack a little bit and it's real difficult to do that sometimes um so by by seeing stuff like who we are when you put that out um you know I, i'm sure you've addressed that that short a million times since since it came out uh but it still holds true the fact that it was something that was very unique when it hit the when it hit the airwaves if you will uh, compared to you know what was hunting entertainment hunting television uh so it was very refreshing for people like myself for mark for a lot of the people in our in our clique if you will who just got sick and tired of what hunting entertainment was. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I came up on it when I was a young guy, there was hunting shows on, but they, they were not able to show a kill shot. So you'd see the hunter take the shot sure. and then you'd see him collect the animal and there was no actual kill shot. Um, and that kind of, you know, started to evolve into, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot more of that content. And then it just started to get away from us, I think. And I think like Mark referenced earlier, the sponsorships had a role in that. And, you know, this week you're going to hunt here. This guy's going to set a stand for you. You're going to go kill the deer. Make sure you get the bow in the, you know, take the picture of you putting the release on and the, you know, that kind of thing. And, and there's like an expectation there. Well, um, I think it all stems from, and this is my opinion, but it all stems from like, you know, like you take like the Drury Brothers who are good friends of mine, you take like Lee and Tiffany, who are friends of mine, and, um, and maybe even Michael, uh, and, and you Waddell, and yes. like, like, Mark and Terry Drury, they started their company up here. Uh, that was their lives, their lives were hunting Iowa, and Missouri and trying to um, like, I remember, um, I talked to Mark and, and Terry all the time. And I remember when they would, they would freak out on camera over killing a three-year-old deer now they're passing deer that are um stupid and so but their their company started up here with a love of the outdoors and then it start, trickled down and and um you know uh, uh sometimes i even tease them now that they've gotten away from you know who they were but same with same with um lean tiffany you know they started hunting together and doing all of this stuff and and then people started my point is these companies started glomming onto these guys in a good way 
and saying, hey, Mark, Terry, we we love that you guys love what you do. We love the imagery of you guys in a, a twisted bur oak uh, early in the morning on your tree stand. You have your Hoyt bows. You have your white fletchings. Um, you, you're, you're filming things in the whitetail woods that really haven't been filmed before fights and deer breeding and all, you know, all these different things that they, right, right. and, and then it trickles down into companies wanting to support that same with Lee and Tiffany. But now if I feel like it's going the other way, so people are like, Hey, I want to hunt for a living. So now I have to build a Facebook page. I have to build an Instagram page. I have to try to connect with as many companies as I can to fund the project to try to get up to the lifestyle that they're looking for, right? They don't, and I wonder if there wasn't, this is a very negative statement and I've thought about it a lot, but I've also, I can't make a decision on it, but if there wasn't Instagram or Facebook, if there wasn't hunting products, uh, who, who, who would hunt other than, you know, this, this, this is who we are. This is our society. It's in our DNA. Right. We come from hunters and gatherers. We're we're animals. We are animals that have risen above um, other animals in the animal kingdom. Uh, you know, if you if you read Aldo Leopold, he says he says something in this book where um, you know we 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 force the passenger pigeon into extinction. We kill the passenger pigeon into extinction because of how much pressure uh, the passenger pigeon was putting on new farmers, right? We are still converting the United States from prairie and, and forest into, into row crops. And when the pigeons would come, it was a ton of pressure on farm crops. And so, you know, we hunted these things to extinction because we probably felt like we had to, or should, or could, or, or maybe we didn't try and hunt them to extinction, but that was just a byproduct. I'm not educated enough on the story, but, you know, Aldo says human beings are, we're animals, nothing more. But our distinction is we know when the passenger pigeon is gone right. and we erect statues about them. We put them in museums. We write books about them. We tell the stories of yesteryear when the skies were black with passenger pigeons. If human beings had become extinct, the passenger pigeon wouldn't give it another thought. So that's where we rise above and we are we're essentially a, a unique animal in, in, the, in the kingdom but an animal nonetheless, in my opinion, right. an, an animal nonetheless. And so um, that is where our hunting comes from. But I wonder now, now that we've transcended away from hunting as a necessity to thrive as a population, as a people, as a tribe, as a, as a group, I wonder now that now that we've, we're past that, you know, we have grocery stores and restaurants and farmers grow food for us and and butchers, um, you know, slaughterhouses kill animals for us. I wonder now that we have these things, if you took away the popularity, if you took away the stickered up trucks, the social media, all this stuff, I wonder how many people would really um, pick up a go a bow and, and head to the woods for the experience of literally, you know, watching an American red start flutter by them, land on a branch, appreciate the colors and, and, and what that little bird is going through that day in, in his forest and then moving on because, you know, that's, I'm just, I'm curious about it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. it's, it's an interesting question. I mean, you, so technically it's helping the numbers. It, it's, it's helping yeah. Hunter, yeah. but, yeah. It, yeah. but yeah. at the same yeah. time, it's so, it's so warped. It's just such a weird thing to talk about. It's just, you just end up conflicted with yourself when you, when you think about it. I mean, yeah, I get, I get a lot of letters from non hunters, a lot. 
Mm-hmm. I and it's funny because the people that I probably I it's so, such a gross overstatement. I you'll hear me say I and me, but it's we. I I've I have a group of guys that I work with that none of you would even know who I am or see anything like I'm, you know, we post these photos and people are always like, Oh, that's a beautiful photo. I didn't freaking take it. I don't even, you know, the, the crew took it and they're so vastly talented and we do this all together. It takes all of us to pull this off. But, um, my, my point is like, um, uh, it's, it's, I get letters from people that don't necessarily want to identify as being a hunter, mm-hmm. but they now are inspired to go and source their own experience and their own food. So right. yeah. they probably still don't call themselves a hunter, but they're probably more a hunter than those that beat their chest and say, hey, I'm, I'm a hunter. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, like we, we've talked about like, you know, here, especially in Pennsylvania, we have these two schools of, meat hunter and trophy hunter you know what i mean there's a lot in between but those are the the extremes of the spectrum mm-hmm. and you know i think we can find value in both you know what i mean there's of course. You know, the, the guy with the stickers all over the truck and the, he's got the new every year he's got a new bow and he's got you know the you know he just kind of lives for that aspect of it and then there's the other guy who's with the recurve and you know the the black and red checkered you know, shirt out there sitting against a tree stump waiting for a doe to come by. And, and, and my I, guy. I think there's, that's it. There's a tremendous amount of value in both because the guy who's got the stickers on his truck is advertising. Like I'm part of this movement. I'm part of this, this community. Um, and you know, as much money as he spends on all that new stuff, that money's going to a good place. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? When it, when it comes to Pittman Robertson and all that stuff, I mean, that, that money's being well used. Mm-hmm. So there's value in, in every aspect of it. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the goal that we've tried to accomplish is to bring it back to the, the crow magnum, the whole feeling that you get. I mean, you can't explain to somebody that rush when you lose an arrow and you know that, you know, that animal is going to be about 60 yards away waiting for you. And there's a feeling that comes over you that is really, it's extremely difficult to articulate that until you experience it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the goal is to bring it back to that aspect, to the, to the hunt versus the kill. Cause I mean, that's a small percentage of the whole aspect, you know what I mean? And for people who do not hunt, they don't see that. So to be able to kind of, you know, share that, you know what I mean? That's been a, a bit of a struggle for us, but it's always been that unspoken goal for, for Mark and I to kind of try to climb that hill. I mean, I, I heard a conversation that you'd had a few years ago about the, uh, the seeker series that you did with discovery mm-hmm. and how you kind of had to go in front of a bunch of people and discuss your, I don't want to say pitch is the right word, but, but have yeah. a discussion about your, your ideals in front of rooms full of people who are not hunters and how challenging that, that must've been. I mean, you know, that's kind of what we're trying to do. It's really easy to stay in the echo chamber and talk to other hunters about what's going on, but to, to kind of get out of that bubble a little bit and, and you know, like in, in your opinion, what, what's the best way we can kind of attack that? I mean, it's, it's a truly challenging endeavor when you think about it because you get a lot of pushback, no question. I'm sure you know all about that. Yeah. Uh, but, but in your opinion, like what's the, what, what's the way that we can kind of a- attack that you know, that task of going with people who don't understand a lick of what we do. Don't share that passion. 
Yeah, you know, uh, that, that moment that you spoke of with Discovery, I, I, I spoke in, that was in um, Manhattan, in downtown New York City, at a very highfalutin place. I don't even remember what it was A lot of hunters called. around them parts, I'm sure. <laughs> Man, and, and even, even when, before I even took the stage, uh, one of the guys at Discovery said, hey, just, I don't want to add any pressure to you, but the first three rows of the audience represent I forget what he said, but it was hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars in advertising for Discovery Channel. And so, or for Discovery overall. And, um, you know, I was, it, was, it was companies like Toyota and, and Intel and Google and all of these, you know, advertisers. And um, so what I did there is I just went out and I told some stories. I didn't want to go out and give a pitch on why we hunt or what it means to be a hunter, but I just went out and, and told some stories about being in Alaska and um, and being around grizzly bears and around wolves and around the northern the northern lights and things that I'd seen and things that I experienced and and um, I knew they'd want a little bit of a sensational story and and um, a few years ago when I was in the Arctic I ended up I had a grizzly bear that was coming towards our camp and I and I ran at him to give him my win so he would run off so I knew the audience would be like well you ran at a grizzly bear you know which isn't not entirely saying that at some you know, depending on the situation, but I think, I think we win people over by getting them to engage with us in a conversation. Uh, we win people over by carrying ourselves in a very high manner in hunting with the highest of ethics, hunting in the most difficult fashion, remaining as, um, unmacho as possible not not diminishing your response or your return but um whether you have a camera on you whether you have your buddies with you whether no one's paying attention at all you know i would kind of urge you to hunt as though the world is paying attention and as though you know you have a game warden in your pocket and um you know have a mental fortitude of putting yourself in the, in the animal shoes, if you will, and, and, uh, and uphold that respect for the areas that you're in and, and, uh, understand that if you were the doe or you were the buck or, you know, oh, this is so far out of left field, but you know, how would you want to be killed? Like, who would you want hunting you? How, how it, does yeah. it, you know, yeah. it's a relationship. Um, and of course you don't want to be killed, right. Which is why they have all these fantastic instincts, but, I would just tell people to be remain as open-minded as you possibly can. If you think you know what you're doing, if you think you know why you're a hunter, if you think what you're doing is right, then you're far smarter than I am because there are so many variables that we have to ask ourselves all the time um, if what we're doing is contributing to an area. If what, And it doesn't always necessarily have to contribute. It can be a it can be a, a non-event, right? It can be a zero sum. Like you, you know, if I, if I, yeah. if I go out of the cabin here and shoot a doe in September, um, it actually probably does help the area around here. Cause there's a lot of car deer collisions and the deer are actually overpopulated around here. But if I also don't go shoot that doe, it's probably not going to have that, um, catastrophic of an effect. Um, you fat, you, I almost said fast forward, but if you take that up to Alaska and some of the areas that I've done research in, they have very low moose densities 
And if somebody, and there's no hunting for cow moose, but they get poached all the time by people that don't really understand how um, the ecosystem works. And um, if you take a cow moose and you look at her contribution to the herd over 10 life cycles, and so I'm making these circles. So you take, it's like the rings on a tree. You go out 10 circles from a single cow moose in the middle. Um, I forget the exact numbers, but she contributes about 250 animals to the herd over 10 years. So shooting a cow moose there has a fantastic effect on the population. And so we have to educate ourselves and understand what it is that we're doing and, um, and what we're up to. A few years ago, I was hunting in the Arctic. In fact, the wolves that you see and who we are, mm-hmm. I spent uh, 21 or 31, I think it was 21 days in the Arctic. And we, uh, we kept running into this pack of wolves and, um, and when the pilot picked us up at the end, he said, he was asking us what we had seen. Cause we hadn't, we hadn't spoke since he dropped us off three weeks earlier. And, and he said, did you see any wolves? And I said, yeah, we saw quite a few wolves, but from a single pack and they would come up and kind of spend time with us. And they'd come into the camp. And a couple of times when I was stalking moose, they would stalk moose with me. And a couple of times it kind of felt like they were stalking us. Not really, but they, were, they would come in and check us out. And he said, oh, cause I had a wolf tag. And he's like, I had actually had a couple of wolf tags. He's like, oh, did you shoot any of them? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I didn't. He goes, oh, I really wish you would have. They put a lot of pressure on the moose in this valley. Um, now, if I would have known that, I'm not, I'm not a wolf hunter. That's not my style. It's not something that I'm interested in. But if I would have known that, I potentially would have arrowed a, a wolf or two just to help with some sort of balance. Yeah, I, yeah, I have, yeah. I, I have some, you know, uh, so you know, you, you know, like, um, there's just different things like that. Like having this perspective and having this wherewithal and like this young lady that wrote me the other day and she said, kind of, she didn't say this, but she kind of was saying in a very polite manner, how dare you for shooting a Harlequin duck? Mm-hmm. You know, are they, are they doing that well up there? And, and to her question, I didn't know, although where we were hunting in Alaska, was as wild and untapped as any place I've ever been at the end of the Aleutian chain. There were right. ducks everywhere. There were, there's more birds there than I've seen any, there's more birds there than I've seen in the, in the jungle than I've seen, uh, in central America. And so it's just, uh, it was unbelievable. And, you know, I, I, I killed like s- six ducks or, or something like that the whole time we were there. And so I, I felt as though I had very little impact. We killed just enough to have some dinners with friends and, um, so, but there's the, the, that's what you look at, right? That's how you, you have to behave as though somebody is watching you. You have right. to hunt as though you're the one being hunted. We have to conduct this in the highest of ethics. Um, otherwise, you're selling yourself short, man. And somebody is going to catch you with your hand in the cookie jar. Right. And when they do, I hope they come down on you with uh, a fierce force. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, everything that that you just said there, I mean it echoes the kind of character that you uphold, if, if that makes sense. And a, a common theme, I think, in, in our podcast and, and the content we put out that we try to make known is that this sort of lifestyle kind of builds a certain type of character. And, and it, you know, it, you're talking about the biology behind this and you're using the scientific method and, and, you're you're being mindful of of other life and i mean it just uh it just builds that certain type of character and i we actually got um a message 
on the page that they wanted to ask this question. I think this kind of ties into this because it, this is a another characteristic that I think you know. I think you you mentioned like having the the fortitude. Um, back in uh, in the Rivers Divide, when when you hit Steve the first time, mm-hmm. dealing with the emotions behind that and that that heartache, and I mean we we all know it. I've it just happened to me a couple of years ago. It's it's awful. How do, how do you feel that you best deal with that? And what do you think when you come out on the other side of that? How much better of a person do you think you are from an experience like that? Well, I think uh, I'm probably more sensitive of a human being than most people or men, certain. Um, but like that night that I shot Steve in the shoulder, uh, you know, a lot of hunters, and I had a, I had a bit of this too, so I don't want you to think that this was uh, not on my mind, but a lot of hunters maybe would have been upset that they didn't get their hands on his antlers, mm-hmm. right? They didn't get their hands on their, this deer that they had been hunting. And, and you see him when he comes in that night, he's so fancy, mm-hmm. you know, he's just like, Oh my God, I want to touch this thing. Cause it's, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, God, it's just like this walking yeah. piece of art. And, right. And, you know, um, but then I'm laying in bed. Like I'm, I'm quite literally laying in bed thinking about, him laying in his bed and the amount of pain that he's in. So I'm laying in bed and I'm, I was literally laying there kind of touching my shoulder and I'm like, what would, what would a broadhead feel like in my scapula? Well, the distal portion of my scapula, what, I mean, it had to be agonizing, right? I think maybe. And so I'm laying there going, you know, like, it was my motivation to be successful as a hunter to shoot the biggest deer of my life. Like the, the, these are shortcomings that I live with as well. In in my opinion, you know, like um, if he hadn't grown that massive set of antlers, I probably wouldn't have been nearly as nervous. I may not have even have shot him. So it's so weird when you think about if he would have looked identical, his whole body lived the exact same life that he lived, but grew a smaller set of antlers or something. I might've been like, ah, you know, he's just a, just a this, or he's just a that. But the right. fact was he was a specimen and, 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 uh, I'm not going to apologize for that. And, you know, I, when, when animals, I don't care what you are, uh, when you grow, when there's a unique set of circumstances, something's bluer than it generally is. Something is more red. Something is, taller, heavier, um, you know, antler growth, of course, is something that's sensational and unique. And, and so, but I just, I would be perplexed. Like I wanted to be successful as a hunter and, and that I'm agonizing over the pain that I caused, you know, that I caused Steve. And even the day that I kill him, you watch him walk in mm-hmm. and, uh, he has a little, you know, he has a little right. itch in his giddy up. No, I, I doubt it was bugging him at all. These things are amazing animals they're super super tough but right. um but you know he still had a little like a leftover a year later so mm-hmm. did i articulate that well you get what i'm saying yeah like I'm, yeah absolutely uh, like i'm feeling sorry for myself and sorry for the deer and yeah. i'm sitting there going what did you do you know i'm sitting there first for him i'm going what did you do donnie you're a, a monster and then for myself i'm like 
I, what did you do? I can't share this with anyone now. Yeah. Until, yeah. until the story's complete. Right. Yep. I've been there. It's a super challenging kind of dichotomy. I mean, when we decide that we're going to pursue the life of a hunter, then, you know, failure becomes part of the tapestry. That's just it. You know what I mean? And it's how you deal with that failure. And the more times it's presented to you, the more opportunities you have to kind of build yourself up a little bit. And, and I, and I think that's that you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, you got to have empathy for the, the creatures we pursue. I mean, because I mean, as much as we can tell ourselves, we're helping them by doing this, you know, something has to die in order for that to happen. So it's a really, it's a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge that you struggle with, at in the moment i think you know it's not something that we hyper focus on leading up to that moment it's in the moment that we it, it washes over us you know what i mean and, and again another challenging thing to express to somebody who hasn't done it but you know you know mark said he he had it happen you know to him recently and i mean it was another beautiful animal and and it's one of those things and we've had lengthy conversations about it uh it, it's it, it's hard it's really, really hard to kind of get past. And I don't know that we ever really get past it. It's mm -hmm. just, it becomes, you know, a, 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 a piece on your chessboard maybe is a good way to say it that you can kind of use to manipulate your next decision. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it really is. It's, it's part of it as much as it sucks to just, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, you know, disgenuine about it, but it, it's, it, it's part of, what we do, but it's, it's how you, I think, react and handle it in the long term uh, that really kind of builds us up as to, you know, who we have the potential to be, I think. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've had, I've had some instances uh, when I first started bow hunting where um, I actually used to lie to people. I would, I would go to different hunting camps and stuff and guys would say just what you just said. They'd say, man, you know, you hunt long enough and you miss them, you know, you, you wound some, it's part of it. You know, it's, it's disgraceful to feel as a hunter. Well, my, my first, maybe like 30 animals that I shot, I went perfect. And so guys would be like, yeah, you, you know, and I'd say, yeah, I know, you know, I've been down that road, but then now I've discovered that right now I went through, um, target panic in my life. And so I had some of those experiences. So now I, now I know what the people are referring to, but yes, it's, terribly to to mention it but it's part of it but so is everything in life has such degradations attached to it everything yeah yeah agreed well i think we should probably talk about the film a little bit yeah yeah now that now that we have a good connection <laughs> i mean this I has mean, been fantastic yeah. i mean and this was honestly what i i hoped it was going to be to have these great deep conversations and i mean your honesty is, is your genuine just I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Uh, and again, that comes through in the film. Mark and I were talking about, you know, uh, certain scenes in, in, in the new film that are just like, they strike you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, they really, really do. And, you know, it's like we we're big food guys. You know what I mean? So kind of everything it, it, it's rare. You're going to find an episode of the podcast where we don't in some level talk about food in some way. And, and I was, I was watching the film. I mean, I, I got to watch it. Like I said, it was like around one, two o'clock this morning when I was watching it and, and it just started kind of coming to me like to, to, uh, to put together a, a film like this. It's kind of like grandma's sauce. You know what I mean? You need all these good ingredients mm -hmm. to put, put it in a pot to make something really, really extraordinary, but you got to have good ingredients to start out. 
whether it's like the cinematography, like the film opens with some really cool wide angle, epic, you know, shots of the ocean, like real contrasty images. And, you know, you have the, the, the story, which is written very well and told very well. I mean, with, you know, little subtle things like bookending the film with the plane and the, the runway, it's, we're not giving too much away, but it's a really thing that cool thing that caught my eye. And I was like, that is really on point that's spot on you know yeah the the island itself kind of became a character itself in the film you know in the, the location uh but then then there's the the music you know i think that's something that gets overlooked i think it's just as important as all the other aspects and i don't think any of those other aspects really can you know pull an emotion like perfectly timed music and and, and well written score you know like what's the process with you guys over at sick man when you decide that like okay this is a this is a section like for instance um you know a, a harvest scene like this is the, the the mood i want is this the kind of instrument i want i mean i know casey olson's big part of that i mean like how much are you guys all involved in that do you have a meeting and say this is what it is, or you just give him free reign and just let him run with it yeah we um for the most part, we give him uh, free reign. Like, well, yeah. and he's not a hunter. He uh, he loves really? being out. He uh, he's not a hunter at all. He's never hunted in his life. He loves being outside. He has a great appreciation for uh, everything wild. But um, yeah, so we'll you know obviously when we go to a place, we have some idea of the assets that we want to collect. Right throughout an, an individual day, we try to film each day and it's very difficult to do this it's it's kind of like when somebody tells you to live your life like you're dying you know it's easy to say that and if you could do that it'd be a tremendous but none of us do that um uh but uh but we'll go and try to film each day as though we only have a day to tell the story so that's kind of how we approach things and then we come home look at our assets and um come up with a skeleton of the of the story you want to tell. Kyle is uh, instrumental in that as he's trying, starting to editing together big chunks. And then as we start to narrow down what this what this is going to start to look and feel like, Casey will drop in music that is similar to what he thinks is going to kind of feel in that area. And, and, and Kyle or myself might say, oh, you know, we need an uptick here. Or, you know, like we need right. a little bit more energy here, a little less. But by and large, it's Casey and what he feels the scene dictates. And then oftentimes he'll come and talk to me and he'll say, okay, um, you know, like you had this grizzly bear charging you and, and it had to be shot. Um, were you scared? I'll say, no, no, I, I wasn't scared. And he'll say, you know, were you overwhelmed? But, you know, did, did it feel overwhelming? I'll say, yeah, you know what? It did feel overwhelming. Cause I was, it was in the heart of me having some target panic and, and, and I sat through my shot really well. I didn't let the, I didn't let the fact that a big bear was so close uh, get in my head and I executed on my shot perfectly on my side and, and my arrow hit a twig. So, and so I'll tell him these things and then he'll say, Oh, okay. And he'll just go into his studio and he'll start playing with music and then he'll come out and say, you know, what is this? Uh, what about this? And then we'll kind of go back and forth and, one of the things that I've never been a part of and how they do it, I have no idea, but you guys heard the music when I kill the bull in this film. 
and how they identify this type of music and these lyrics and these women or men. I have no idea, but when they play it, that's it. You know, for instance, um, when I kill Steve in the Rivers Divide, you hear that young lady start singing. Mm-hmm. Well, Casey was playing in a band, and he I think he was in Missouri, and um, he, his band was up next, and he came walking into this bar, and that young lady that sang that song in the Rivers Divide was up on the stage singing, and he says to me when he walked in that he said, oh, yeah, she's Steve. Yeah, I can hear it. Like she's yeah, she's Steve. So so he literally approached her. He paid her twenty dollars out of his pocket because he didn't have any money, and she came out to his van with him and recorded that song uh, that he wrote the lyrics to into a little microphone in the back of his van, and that's the song that you hear in the Rivers Divide. That's how uh, awesome. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and I I, I know. Yeah, so that's yeah, I I, I get it. Um, I it's just it's weird the way things yeah. come together like that, and it. it as as a filmmaker, God, it's like I feel like I spend ten percent of my time editing, and I spend ninety percent of my time looking for the right sounds and music to go with it. And it yeah. just when, yeah, and and then and then sound design comes right and fully work, which most people don't even really understand or appreciate. And so Casey's asking me like, you know, if we if a bird flies away you know, he's, he, we sit down and he's like, what species of bird was that Donnie? And what cadence of wing beat would it have? And how, if we didn't capture it naturally, how can I enhance it? How can we reconstruct it? How can we bring our viewer to that situation with a particular, you know, and, and um, a few years ago, they, we had uh, some film pieces that we were putting together and I was watching it and I'd watched it and watched it. We watch our work so much and watched it, watched it, watched it. Finally, I watched it. And at one point they had cranes were flying over us, but they had the sounds of Canada geese <laughs> was in the music. And, and I said, and it finally hit me. And I said, Casey, those are cranes. Not, right. they're not geese. And right. Kyle looked at Casey and said, I told you he was going to catch it. Yeah. <laughs> so like they were trying to pull a fast yeah. one on me, but like we'd, you know, yeah. Yeah, but the sound design is is just as important. Whether that be you know like Steve walking through the grass or a barn door closing or mm-hmm. you know a, a truck yeah. door closing or wh- whatever it may be, a bird flying away. Yeah, yeah. There was a little spot in in, in the, the new film where you're in your tent talking and you turned off your headlamp, and like you know you didn't catch that little noise on. But the way he just dropped that little piece in there, I was like, damn, that's good. Like, yeah. You, you thought of everything. He like he thought of everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and you know, kudos to you and the team, re- everybody who worked on it. That's really fun. Thank you. But that's really funny that you bring that up because he had that as silent just up until just a few days ago when I was watching no the film again. And I just said, Casey, like I, I, all I did was go off of my reaction. And so when I was watching it and the screen just fell to black and went to quiet, I was like, for a second, a split second, and I know what the film is, but for a split second, I thought we made a mistake. That we missed a frame, a frame mm-hmm. dropped out or whatever. So I just said to those guys, I was like, it just feels so, it has so much finality right then. Um, so and he's like, do you want a little click in there? And I said, well, I really like in the Rivers Divide when I shut the the light off in the bar and it goes, boom. Right. And then, so, um, so you've heard it. I haven't even heard it. 
Oh, man. <laughs> it's spot on, man. I haven't even heard it because he said I'll fix it. He said I'll fix it, and I said okay, that's great. And I, so I haven't even I haven't even heard it yet. So you've heard it, and I haven't. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's I'm just starting to pick up on this stuff. I mean, Mark Mark's more advanced in filmmaking than I am, but I'm just starting to kind of get into the editing aspect and the sound design and how to really kind of enhance something with small little details you know what i mean and that was something i picked up on like kind of bookending the film with the with the runway that i just thought was it it made it for such a small piece and with no character in it it made a difference you know what yeah. I mean? it, oh, it, yeah. it it underscored the a, a lot of the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions of the film and i mean and that, that just that's i don't want to call it silly but it's just this little tiny click and it just looks like that was it because it does it transitions perfect you know what i mean so mm -hmm. kudos to all those guys working on that film yeah. you know what i mean because is it kyle that that edited as well he directed and edited yeah and then directed and edited uh william altman is our director of photography right super 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 freaking talented guy one of the most talented human beings i've ever met in everything that he does um myself in the writing and obviously just being in front of the camera and and just living my life and then uh and then casey doing the music and sound design and casey yeah. has like he's uh, oh, he's casey's so talented it's it's and he like agree um jay i think you wanted to talk to him before i got on you, you know you wanted me to give him my headset and he was yeah right i just wanted to said, give him a, a a nod like hell yeah man uh, well done because i I'm a and he won't of, you know <laughs> he, he won't he's like i and he said um he um he he was just over by the door and i said hey this guy wants to pay you a compliment and he goes I, he said he loves the music he goes yeah it's, it's from the heart that's all yeah. he said when he walked out the door <laughs> but you know like you can uh, tell. in the in the yeah. credits you can see photos of us all yeah except for him and he he told us if we put a photo of him in there that he was going to delete all of the oh, music <laughs> <laughs> i i do want to just touch back on you you mentioned that that harvest sequence it's 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 perfect i mean it, it really is man i watched it i told you i made my wife watch it last night and we we're both sitting there with like lumps in our throat it's it just pulls so much emotion out of you it's that anyone was, um... anyone who's watching this august 9th eight o'clock you you have to watch it it's it's one of those films that's going to be good for people who don't hunt because it's just that story is there. It's going to pull Agreed, you in. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to talk about it, but yeah. um, what happened right before that? Oh, just like... yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I talked to Kyle. We're we're not going to talk about it. Right? Just <laughs> I yeah. that that entire from that point to the for the next I don't, I don't know, I'm assuming 20 minutes, half hour, whatever it was for you just had to be so overwhelming. Like it just so yeah, much we, emotion. And we, I don't want to oversell this, but you know, we. It would have been pretty easy that day for all of us to lose our lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the seas, the sea that we had across was um, as unstable as any I've ever been in. I've actually, I didn't realize. I've seen video, I guess, but I didn't realize the sea could be so disorganized. I thought. I kind of I've I've been in a couple of rip currents when the current was changing direction that I've seen the seas be really disorganized mm -hmm. with like six to seven foot waves. Yeah. Um I've never seen it in such grand fashion okay. with such towering waves and such it yeah. With the wind, the currents and the tides, 
um yeah i mean like uh is it was uh it was it was gnarly man it's like there's a lot of emotion that day there there's one shot i think during that sequence where it's like the wave just kind of takes over the entire screen and it's like wow okay so that's that's a serious wave like, and, and 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 we didn't film anything the, like oh, as on the soon boat. as we as soon as we got into it like cameras not i won't even say so when i'm i'm in the back of the boat and i'm looking through the windows i'm holding on outside because i'm too nervous i'm too scared mm-hmm. to be inside yet Corey wants us all inside because he's anticipating we're going to roll over th- 360 degrees like cab underwater yeah and then the ship would right itself and then bail itself so he's anticipating that we are going to roll all the way over so he's like if you guys fall out you're done i can't even turn around to get you i just call the coast guard and say his body fell out here and they'll probably never find you so (laughs) so it's not that that necessarily was going to happen but that could have happened those were the types of seas that we're in so i'm holding on on the outside so I'm looking through these windows and I can literally see we filmed it on two Sony FS7. So for people that don't know, that's like a over the shoulder. Yeah. Not as big as like a, a TV camera, but bigger than like a, a consumer camera. Sure. And then we have other little cameras, but several times I'm looking through the windows and I can see the cameras literally just shoo, 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 uh. across the cab, smashing the other side. And then I see literally Corey, which you guys have seen in the film now seeing the captain literally his body flying out of his captain's chair flying all the way back and like smashing against the opposite side and then he's scrambling to get back in his chair because you can see his wheel is just yeah spinning as the boat is canting and sliding down these waves and it was both on the way there to the hunt and on the way home yeah my... and it was uh it was very uh it, it had all of our attention yeah my anxiety is here yeah, I'm a I'm little puckered here, over man. here myself, man. Like, <laughs> my God, it was yeah, it was scary. I'd, I'd love to tell you that I wasn't afraid, but it was uh, you know the water yeah. the water's like forty degrees. And felt alive that day. Yeah, yeah you'd it, have it, it, you'd have ten minutes, fifteen minutes to swim, thirty minutes maybe tops. Yeah, to swim with the temperature and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, you're, man. yeah you're not gonna live. You're not gonna one hundred percent. You're not gonna live. Yeah. And I think that came through a lot. You know what I mean? Because again, you, you didn't you didn't really get too much into that in, in, in the film, but it the a lot of the descriptions that you, you kind of provided were and, and just with the with the video and, and the cinematography and stuff, it was pretty evident that those seas were not kind while you yeah. were there. You yeah. know what I mean? They were they were not no. kind. Yeah. They were not happy to see you. <laughs> but it was God, it was even something the, even else. The day- man. The day that they picked us up, you know, they dropped us off and then he came and picked us yeah. up. You know, I was talking to, I was talking to Corey's partner, Scott, and, you know, I was like, Hey guys, good to see you. And, and he's like, Hey man. And he's very chill. He's super, super dry personality. Yeah. And, um, in fact, uh, that this is off subject, but the picture, the, the section of film in the back where you can see him smiling through the window at the end is maybe my favorite scene in the whole film. Like, I just love that. I love seeing his smile. And, and, uh, but he said, um, you know, I could see it in his face. He was a little off center. And I said, yeah. you know, how was it? And he goes, yeah, as worst seeds I've ever been in. And I said, ah, come on, man. And he's like, no, 
when we came around the north side down he's like, he's like we actually were going to radio the island and tell them that we couldn't turn the boat and we were going to have to steam to the next set of islands oh wow because literally it's too dangerous to make the corner and then literally a big huge wave smashed into the boat and just kind of pushed it over and push them in the direction they had to go anyway out of their control. And so then they just hit it full steam ahead and just try to push out of the, you know, I'm not talking about seas like the perfect storm, that film, Mm -hmm. but I'm talking about scenarios like the perfect storm where the seas are so big and coming from so many different directions that really the captain doesn't know. Yeah. What do you do? What the right decision is. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, that, that's I, I don't know if it was the the first segment or, or this segment where we're talking about the, the film itself, but like the 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 island, the the sea, it all became its own character. You yeah. know, there's there's Donnie Vincent, there's the the you know the animals, there's the sea and the island. It's like they they were the own, their own character, and they were such a part of of the film that it was just man, it was just like one of those you know. Is that something that you, I, I guess it's hard to anticipate something like that, but is it something that was surprising to you that it was as much of a factor as it was, or was it just kind of, I don't want to call it bonus, but like that it was, that it turned out that way. You know, I think we had uh, one, it was a David, Dave, Dave Castle. He's one of the guys that, you know, we're, we're pretty good friends with. He said, you know, how, how difficult was it to match up the cinet- cinematography to the story and the feelings of the experience? I mean, is, is that kind of something that you leave open? Like when you're there. Yeah, I mean, it's um, I'm not going to say it's difficult because I think William and and some of the other photographers that we had there, I think they're just so vastly talented. And 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 William and I had been, you know, we were in Alaska this last year for eight weeks. And so we had we had already been on some um, in some situations that were extremely dangerous in the ice and snow in the Chugach Mountains while we were archery hunting doll sheep and excuse me. And so, um, these guys just kind of go the extra mile for the most part to get the cinematography. So I'm not, I'm not really, uh, ever worried that they're not going to be able to represent the Island or the ruins or the, or the waves that were there. I was, I wish we would have been able to capture, um, the rough stuff in, you know, I wish we could have hit pause and said, Hey, is everyone going to live Everyone's going to live today. Okay, great. Now that I know that everyone's going to live, let's push the envelope. Let's right. really ride the line. Yeah. But um, at in the moment, because I really would love some of that footage to be in there, but I don't even know if we'd be able to play it right because the camera is literally changing by like 25 or 30 feet in a few seconds. Yeah. So like yeah. some of the times the boat, you know, some of the times we'd be going up a wave in the next, in the wave would fall out. And literally you're, you're in the boat looking down, like you're about to jump off a bridge, you know, it's just like, and it just, just quiet, you know, just boom, you'd hit so hard. And then before you can even mentally recover from that, physically get your canter, like all of a sudden now a wave is pushing you off your back right side and it's pushing the boat down and you're skidding into another one and a wave is coming over the top of you right like water's running down into your pants because it's going down into your collar because waves are coming over the top of you and so i wish to answer david's question i wish we could have captured things like that um but it's just too messed up to do so and we're not yeah. we're not you know we're, we're not planet earth we're not equipped to have helicopters with million dollar um 
cameras off the nose of the helicopter to capture stuff like that. So, um, I, I always hold the guys in the highest regard of what they captured, but I didn't, you hear about the Bering sea, you hear about these massive 120 foot crab boats going down in the swell. Um, I called Corey a couple of times before we got there. And I just said like, man, like tell me about the swell. And he's like, he's like, we'll be fine. You know, he's like, we can always find areas of the Island. And he's being a really good steward of, of the land and of the sea. But, um, you know, I was like, is it ever calm? And, and he's like, um, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's like, it's calm, but he's like, not, not November. Like it's not, right. it's not going to be November in the, in the area of the Island that we went to to hunt. Um, he, he literally told me after we got back, we got back at like midnight and he told me, he's like, I'll never go to that part of the Island in November again, ever. Wow. He's like I'll never, ever take anyone there again. That's, that's wild, man. For, for somebody who does that as much as he does to say that, I mean, Mm-hmm. incredible uh one of the questions that my wife actually had was how do you come across or i don't know if it's come across but come up with the idea to say all right let's go to adak island like how do you find like you, you you're known for that that one quote you know if you want to experience fantastic things you have to go to fantastic places how, how do you mm-hmm. do you have a list do you, what do you, how are you coming across these places to go to like Am I, am I asking too many, like, like asking your secret here? No, 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 no. And this, this, this has probably a very, um, black and white, a very, uh, detailed answer that is probably not as sexy as you would hope. Although there's a lot, a lot of other, um, answers that, that I could give you that would be a little bit more intriguing. Um, this came from nuts and bolts. Uh, we knew that and this is the commercial side of things. So I don't want to, I don't want to detract from anything that I did or the crew did or, um, but this, this came from the commercial side of things with Benelli. Mm -hmm. And when we, when we started this project, they said, we want to introduce the world to our new bolt action rifle. We want to introduce the world to, um, they have their new super black Eagle three water follow gun. They have this new coating on it called the best B E S T and um they can if you want to learn more about it go to benelli and learn but they basically have been taking their shotguns and submersing them in salt water for over a year and pulling them out without any rust on them yeah with this new i think it's i think it's made out of diamond coating that's crazy um and then and then their a28 au over under previous to this year was only offered in 12 gauge this year they offered it in 20 gauge so they said donnie we want to give you these three guns we want you to go and do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and so a good friend of mine and a good friend of Sigmanta's, Lee Chose. Are you guys familiar with Lee Chose's work? Mm-mm. I can't say that I am. Uh, you know, look it up. You'll be you'll be blown away. He's done a lot. You've seen tons of his work. You just don't know it. He does really uh, handsome ads. His last name is spelled K-J-O-S. He has a company called Chose Outdoors. He's a fantastic photographer. Um, but he suggested that we go to ADAC because he's like, he just said, Donnie, you've got caribou, which he knew very little about. He doesn't do any big game hunting, but he's like, I think there's caribou there essentially. Um, he's like, we have, you know, um, upland hunting and then we have sea ducks. So we mm-hmm. can, and, th- and we have a lot of diversity there with the ocean and everything. And so I said, yeah, that's, that's something that's uh, quite intriguing. I think I would have maybe, I had other areas that I really wanted to go to that would have handled the upland birds and the caribou 
um, even better than ADAC, but the Ducks were um, kind of the the trump card there. And so that's what yeah. took us to ADAC. It was a place that I've always wanted to go. Um, this was an awesome opportunity to, to get there, to see it and to experience it. And it was, it was more than I'd ever hoped. Like it was place is so wild. The, the water is so insane in the, in yeah. the military ruins and the, that was the, awesome. The bombs that are there. It's, 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 yeah. it's insane. It's really incredible. Now, I'll go to other places because I want to experience different things. I want to see different animals. You know, like I find myself going up to the Arctic circle almost every year. Right. And I go up there and I just hunt caribou for a couple of weeks. And it's because it's an experience that I just can't, it's really hard to match being 200 miles above the Arctic circle and being able to just explore and hike and hunt. And, and um, yeah, it's really pretty fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, the, the film has, done a few things for me already. I mean, it's, I I've grown up in the woods of Pennsylvania and I've always been whitetail hunter, turkey hunter, and I've, I've got a, a Western hunt coming up, like my first one out of state actually going somewhere. It's coming up in October and I, I can't wait. And, and now where are you I'm, going? I'll, I'll say it now. I've been trying to keep it down low, but it's, it, we're going out to Montana. Oh, oh well, you don't yeah. say anything. No, that's all right. I mean, it's, uh, I think everyone kind of knew what was going on. We're, we're uh, going out to hunt elk with the bow. So, you know, I've been just getting into the, the backpacking and the gear and, and it's just, it's a whole new world. And then, and then I watch that and I'm just like, oh my God, like, I just, I just want to go crawling through the grass and I just want to, it's just, I, I can't wait. But the other thing it made me also want to do is, is pick up the rifle again, honestly, because I mean, I've, I'm such a diehard bow hunter. That's, you know, most of the time, if I don't fill my tag, my whitetail tag in Pennsylvania, I might go out during rifle season, but I'll still take my bow for the most part. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I, it's just, I've gotten so comfortable with it. And I just, I don't know. I kind of, I don't want to say I lost interest, but yeah. it's just, it's whatever. But now it's. So Mark, can I interrupt you really quick? Mm-hmm. I, I want to speak to this, but do you guys mind if I use the restroom really quick? No, go for it. By all means. We keep okay. buckets under okay. our tables, so no, you're good. <laughs> okay, hold on a moment. Okay. How about it, man? Yeah. this is, And it, it's like the the questions just keep coming here, and I, I feel bad because I just – the conversation is so good right now. and Yeah. I, I, I mean, I hope he's okay with time. I mean, I only yeah. have one, one more – question i want to ask but it could be like the last one going out yeah i'm fine with that you yeah. know it's a it's a pretty brief one you know what i yeah. mean yeah we'll wrap but, we'll wrap it, it up after finisher because but, we, uh yeah i mean this has been fantastic man yeah it, just the honesty and the, and the genuine nature of how you just you know it's fantastic I, this is way better than i could have anticipated man yeah i mean i i i kind of figured that the the conversations would connect you know, I just, I, I feel like we were right on the same page with most things. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, kind of surreal, you know? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But it doesn't, it, it, it is, but it doesn't feel that way. And you know what I mean? Cause there's yeah. a lot of people out there who are celebrated for their accomplishments and they're not that easy to talk to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like we may as well be in your basement right now having a beer. It's just the way the conversation's gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. 
But uh, yeah, we've uh, we could even catch some of these questions that are in here. I th- I think there were questions before. You guys are the, the best. Thank you so much. <laughs> no no problem. <laughs> no worries, man. No, we no we've worries. been there. When I when I did Rogan, I was just Rogan kept feeding me coffee, and <laughs> you know, we talked for three hours. And I was just sitting there at the end. I was just like, oh, yeah sweet child of mine and yeah. and uh when we got done he's like okay that's a wrap and i was like oh, i gotta go pee and he's like why don't you just go pee during the show and i was like yeah yeah, yeah he does it all the time yeah we've always wanted to end up you know it's like kind of like a little bit of a, a fantasy like mark and i end up on rogan somehow <laughs> yeah, right for sure <laughs> Through all this stuff you know what i mean he's just been fantastic hey. for the brand you know what i mean but yeah i remember yeah, dude, uh, but mark mark oh go ahead no, you go ahead because we were we were going to talk about the uh, like getting away from the rifle and like coming back to it. That's what I was going to say. I think that's really cool that um, you're intrigued by that, and and um, you know I picked up a bow a long time ago, and and I was very, very blown away by uh, the intimacy of bow hunting and the quiet yeah. of bow hunting, and and never really. Um, it's not that I didn't want to pick up a gun again, but um, I just wasn't picking up guns again. But I was so incredibly inspired by Jack O'Connor when I was a little when I was a little kid and hearing right. his stories. Like you read his stories on how he would track with a Winchester 270 and how he would follow a sheep running down a hill and and he'd you know squeeze a trigger and he'd see his first impact right behind the shoulder and he'd work the bull and shoot him again two bullet holes touching, you know, shoot him again. And it was, I was completely inspired by riflemen my entire life. And so a few years ago, I don't know, three, four, five years ago, um, the airlines lost my bow on a, on a hunt, uh, which I doesn't bother me at all. A lot of people go, Oh yeah, stupid airlines, but they, they get it right a lot. Right. And, um, this is the first time they ever lost my bow. And, and, um, and so I ended up using a gun on that hunt and it just felt, really good to carry the weight of a rifle again and it felt really good to open up the dialogue to people that um i think there's a lot of alienation going on between weapons and and uh i I basically when i hunt with a rifle i basically kind of bow hunt with a rifle and and uh and I, i learned that that's why i was so inspired with um so inspired with with jack o'connor and how he hunted and then i realized like it's not it's not the weapon yeah, it's his connection with. I mean, look at Aldo Leopold, probably the greatest ecologist known to man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he hunted with a rifle and and, and with a bow, and and um, and it's just so inspiring. I'm glad you um, I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm glad you let me go pee. Thank yeah, you. no problem. <laughs> You're welcome. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we. I mean, we're we're ripping here. We're we're over 80 minutes, and then we already had some of the first little segment. Um, I think Jay has another question and uh we don't we don't want to keep you you know all night so no no you yeah take it take as long as you'd like well I, I i mean you know all the things you've done all the places you've been uh you know it, it, and you documented a good portion of that uh i i had kind of kind of like this little softball question of, of like what does donnie vincent's bucket list look like as of now i mean all the stuff you've done all the places you've been like what's that do you still have like a pinnacle do you even 
subscribe to the, the to the concept of a bucket list or is there something there that you're like this is this is i'd be happy to hang it up after that mm-hmm. um yeah i i guess i subscribe to the idea of a bucket list but but not really because if you if you told me if somebody walked in my door right now and said you know i'm on so I'm, I'm in Wisconsin right now and I'm on 10 acres, 10 wooded acres and a little log cabin. That's, this is where sick Manta is. Um, if somebody came here and said, you can't leave, you have to hunt within 10 miles of this cabin, the rest of your life, no sweat. I could have the grandest adventure, even on this 10 acres. If you gave me a recurve bow or, uh, my compound bow and, um, a ghillie suit or some camouflage and and i got to paint my face and i got to go outside the cabin on a on a fall day when when beautiful maple leaves are you know sinking down to the earth's floor and and i'm able to sneak along in the woods and and find does or find these these bucks and sneak up on them and and hunt them like that is going to be as grand an adventure as you can fathom it's no tree stands. It's no food plots. It's no 70 inch moose. It's not an eight foot grizzly. It's no small airplanes or 15 pound salmon on the end of a fly rod, but it's kind of all the same to me. If you guys said, Hey, we're going, if you, if you two said every year we go to South Dakota in at the end of August and we do an early teal duck hunt and, and we get on these little ponds that, you know, we have permission on, or we go knock on doors and get permission and we all go on a blue wing teal hunt or a green wing teal hunt or whatever. And and we bring 28 gauges and we camp out and, and we cook the ducks that we kill and, and we sit under the night sky and we have a couple of cold beers or we, or, or, or whatever it is. And we're, and we're going to tell stories like that's, that sounds perfect to me. That sounds yeah. awesome. Now, if, if, if you ask me about my bucket list, here's, here's what my bucket list is. It's the things that I've already done and I just want to keep doing them. When I was younger, I, I had ambitions of killing the North American 29, mm-hmm. right? I had this like, Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to kill the four sheep. I'm going to kill all the moose. I'm going to kill all the caribou. I'm going to kill the antelope, the, the, the mountain goat. I'm going to kill all the deer. Um, I'm going to kill all the elk species. This is what I'm going to do, you know? And, and then kind of, relatively quickly um i just kind of discovered that i just wanted to hunt with a certain group of people and hunt a certain way and of course i have animals that are really important to me like doll sheep i love hunting doll sheep which coincidentally the book that has inspired me the most is the north american uh, big game animals of north america by jack o'connor the first animal he writes about is the doll sheep so Mm -hmm. that thing is like ingrained um the Alaska Yukon moose, yep. uh, the white-tailed deer, mule deer. Um, I love waterfalling. Like these are all things that I would rather just keep going on white-tailed deer hunts and Alaska Yukon moose hunts and maybe brown bear hunts and um, duck hunts and and um, mule deer hunts. And I do want to start hunting um, more elk, like what you gentlemen are going to do. And yeah. um, those are those are my my bucket list things are doing things that I've already done like mountain caribou um yeah woodland caribou in newfoundland like i want to go back and do these things like when terra nova like i want to experience these things again it's far more of who i'm with and what i'm doing like i i used to hunt um i was just saying this to a guy the other day i was in illinois um i have a property that i hunt in illinois and uh i was just talking to this guy and we were talking we started talking about squirrel hunts 
and yeah. we started um, lament. And I have some unbelievable memories of squirrel hunting. And like my friends and my dad used to make fun of me because I used to paint my face. Yeah. And I'd put on um, fleece camouflage and, and like tattered gloves. And I'd put on a, I, I would paint my face and I'd put on a tattered face mask. That's how psycho I was. <laughs> and I would bring, I had this little uh, day pack and I'd bring this little stool and I started watching the woods because I used to go squirrel hunting and not kill any squirrels. So I started squirrel hunting and I started saying, okay, what are the squirrels doing? Like when you see them, when you're deer hunting or when you just see them, when you're walking the woods, you're like, oh, everything's so random. Right. I thought they can't be random. So then I started watching these patterns of how they moved, how they moved in the morning, how they moved in the afternoon and into the evening. So then I started <laughs> patterning. I started squirrels. getting on this little wooden, started getting on this little wooden chair and I'd sit on this chair with a 22 Magnum rifle across my lap and I would just literally sit there fully camoed up, barely breathing until the woods came back to life from my intrusion. And then when I see a squirrel and he was in a good position, I would just raise my 22 mag up, balance it on a tree, click the safety off, put the crosshairs on his head and he dropped. I'd cycle the bolt and sit and just not move again. Yeah. And everything would stop. And then five minutes later, another one would come out and, it's like you hear what I'm saying to you, and th these are things I did on public land after gray squirrels. Yeah, for God's sakes. And I had, I can I can tell that story like it was yesterday, and I can tell it to you with all the enigma, of, you know. And I I made a mistake of saying fantastic things happen in fantastic places. That's not true. Fantastic things happen in places where you have a fantastic mindset and you find that idea of adventure. That's where fantastic things happen. Yeah. I don't care if it's a mile from your house or on the other side of the of, of the world. And, uh, you know, and I, I hope most, if not all, whether you're a hunter or not can find that, that mindset, even if you're going to, um, take a beautiful girl on a date, um, you're going to cook your beautiful wife dinner. You're going to go play with your kid. You're going to, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, you're going to go work on your car with your buddies. Like there's a mindset that you can slip into. You're touching the wretches, you're touching the greasy bolts. You're, yeah. you know, you're having your buddy, you know, you're having Jay turn over the key for the first time on his project. How are you guys working on? Like, it's all the same, man. Yeah. To me, it's all the same. Yeah. 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 That's, that's well, okay. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, uh, that's heavy. That's Damn, where it's man. at. Yeah. Killing me here. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't Damn allergies up in here, man. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're, well, yeah, I, 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 Oh, yeah, we I usually said that any better. Yeah, we usually know when uh when to concede the podcast and I think that I don't think we're going to do any better than that, man. That was very eloquent. <laughs> yeah. But uh I yeah. appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the longest ones we've done, so we'll uh we could probably wrap it up. I I think that it it definitely calls for a second episode. I I can't thank you enough for coming on, you know. It's uh yeah, it's truly been a pleasure. I'm happy man. to do it. I'm happy to do it whenever you guys want. If you guys want to do one after the film goes live, I'm happy to do it. If you guys want to do one this winter, whenever I'm I'm uh I'd be thrilled to. We have some really Beautiful. cool work coming up and, and some other films that I want to work on. So uh, yeah. there's plenty plenty to come. Yeah, man. Uh when the studio's done, we'll we'll let you know and we'll uh we'll do Extend one there. The invite, yeah. yeah. But, we'll go off to some gray squirrels. We got plenty of them around here. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, we'll Seriously. do it in person. <laughs> yeah. But uh 
I think that I don't think there's anything else to really say. I, I can't. I really yeah, so I'll get, can't um, thank you enough. I have some things that I'll send you guys to give away, like some of this artwork that I found, and and um, yeah, I'll, I'll get this stuff signed up and sent off to you guys, and you guys can give it away. That's, That's killer, amazing, man. man. I I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on here and and doing this now. I mean, you're the man. But uh, I appreciate I, it, guys. I think we're we're gonna wrap that up now. I'm gonna gonna turn this off, and uh, you know. I don't know. I'm kind of speechless after that. So, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I speak for both of us. You know, this was this was uh, something we've been excited about for a minute, and uh, it it couldn't have gone any better. So again, thank you very much on behalf of myself, on behalf of Mark, on behalf of everybody who follows Sons of the Hunt community. I mean, every, I mean, there's this is this is huge for us, and it's huge for everybody who gets a chance to experience you know who you are if they don't know you by now, um, they do now. So thank you. Yeah. And with I appreciate that, it, guys. I very much appreciate the opportunity. Well, we appreciate you coming. So with that, we will wrap it up, and we will see you in episode 12. Thanks, Donnie. Sons of the Hunt Podcast, Season 3, Episode 11. We are live with Donnie Vincent. And uh, it's, it's kind of just blowing my mind to say that. Um, I'm just going to start off by saying, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how much respect I have for you as, you know, <laughs> very multi-hyphenated explorer, biologist, conservationist, writer, filmmaker, entrepreneur. I... Can't can't really uh, end that that line there, but it's uh, it's it's awesome to talk to you. Uh, I will say, back in 2013, I I wanted to start getting into filming, and that sure I think it was 2014, the Rivers Divide came out, and it just like yeah. set the tone. Everything mm-hmm. it aligned with everything I I felt and I felt needed to get out there, and it, it's just. It's it's hard to put into words. Being able to, uh, well, I appreciate to it, man. Do that. I mean, I appreciate it more uh, more than you can imagine. I and I talked to Kyle when when we were setting this up, and he's like, these guys have, you know, essentially been uh, communicating with him, and and uh, and essentially through him to me since the beginning. And I appreciate it because in the beginning, and even now, we're we're always trying to figure out who we are and what we're doing, and and uh, certainly in the beginning, you know. 
I, I think you guys have probably heard this since you followed our work, but you know, when I when I wrote voiceovers for the Rivers Divide, the very first film, you know, I handed them to Kyle and he's like, This is crap. You know, it's, I've never even heard you talk like this, you know, this isn't who you are. Like you need to write what you want to write and be the person that you want to be. And so uh, yeah, so I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you guys following along and I appreciate you having me on here and, and your kind words. It means the world to me. I mean the fact that anyone asks you to do something like this is just so vastly important that anyone would want to take their time and share it with, with another person. I think it's really important. Yeah, that's it. Again, just awesome to have you. Thank We, uh, thank you for doing it. And, uh, I guess we'll, we'll just jump right into it. Um, so Kyle sent us uh, Winds of Adak. We'll start there because... You guys are the first people to watch it. I think, I mean, essentially you're the first people to watch it outside of a Sick Panther employee. Yeah. It's, uh, it was, what he, he sent it Tuesday night. I've, I've watched it twice since then, made my wife watch it. And uh, man, it's... I'll, I'll say this. It's just as good as The River's Divide because, I mean, the story of The River's Divide is just unbelievable. You, it, it's going to be hard to top that, but this is right there. I mean, it's just, it has everything. It's, it's you know, from a, a cinematic standpoint, it's just, you, you can't beat it. Uh, the story is unbelievable. It, it evokes ridiculous emotion. I mean, there was, there's, I, I'm not going to get into any details or any scenes, but I mean, it, it like pulled some emotion out of me. I'm not super emotional guy, but it was, I some think, heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, so this is going to be your I first, first live stream film for free, pretty much at windsofadoc.com, correct? Yep, and uh, that's uh, solely due to Benelli. If I had produced this film, uh, you know, like we had done our others, I have to sell them because I don't do a lot of uh, sponsorship endorsement or anything like that. We've always done our work is we paid for it up front, full price for the hunts. Um, not only do I pay full price for the hunts, but I have to pay additional dollars for each photographer that I have with me. So it's usually like two to $5,000 for each guy plus film permits. You know, it, it, it's immense and then the cameras and, and uh, everything uh, so we build our work first and then we sell it so this one was this is the first time ever that we've had a film commissioned by a company and kudos to Benelli for you know most often when companies want to do something like this they want it to be very commercial they want you talking about their guns specifically they want right. you talking about the commercial details of their guns specifically so the consumer doesn't miss it Benelli basically came to me, to us, our group, and said, we want you to go to Alaska. We want you to tell a story. We want you to go on an adventure. Here are three guns. Use them. Don't use them. And, uh, and produce a, a film, a story. And uh, so that's what you guys watched. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. It, it, that, that kind of leads into one of the questions I had down the list a little bit. Um, about product placement in certain things. I mean, it's coming from, you know, I know that this is definitely something in your mind and anyone who makes a film, it's like you don't want to push something down somebody's throat. But I mean, if like, I feel like a podcast is a good place to say, okay, this is what I was using. This is, this is you know, this worked well. This didn't work well. 
I feel like the the hunting, and I hate to use this term, that industry is so much of just product placement anymore, and it, it it's kind of it's terrible. Yeah, it's 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 beyond what it should be. You know, we're we're missing the point at this point, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not really sure. You know, I I mean I I think I get what you want to do with it. And I kind of feel the same way, but I mean, as soon as you bring up and I'm not saying you, I'm like, yeah, we start wearing something new or, I'm, or I'm guilty too, right. I have work to do. Right. Exactly. And, uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like the, with it being such a sales game and, uh, just social media now, it, do you kind of feel like that's warping the message that we should be putting out there? And, how can we get away from that? Could that be fixed right now, you think? Um, yes and no. I think um, I think people always have the ability, you know, it, it boils down to money. I think it boils down to economics, but people always have the ability to do things uh, on a shoestring budget. People always have the ability to tell stories that they want to do and, and go and do things that they want to go and do. Um, for a fraction of the budget, you know, you, you know, you can't, you can't go on a guided moose hunt in Alaska with a full film crew and have that be an economical uh, endeavor. But you can film things in your neighborhood. You can film things close to your house. You can film things that you can drive to. You can film things with your buddy, and he films you. You film him, and and, and I, I mean, if you have an interesting enough story, you can do it on an iPhone. And so you could literally do these things for very, you can create very interesting content for very little money or anything else. You could probably build a car um, for relatively little. If you're a fabricator, you could probably, um, you know, there, there's a lot of examples. But as far as product placement in for the, out the industry, it's, man, it's going to be really tough. And, and uh, this is going to, um, I see somebody saying that my audio is really scratching. Yeah. yeah, we got a loose wire or something. We're getting a little bit of uh, yeah, yeah, some feedback. I think that that might have derailed us a little bit because I <laughs> I was actually texting Kyle and trying to figure out. I don't I don't know if it's our connection or what. Our our connection looks pretty good. We we've got all green bars here, but um, yeah, it's um. Yeah, well, once this <laughs> yeah once this studio is done, you're definitely welcome to come and 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 hang with us. 